I used to be the general manager of a large publicly listed engineering firm in Western Australia. Being a GM placed me oftentimes in boardrooms. Rarely was I the smartest person in the room. A lot of times I wondered why I was there until the day someone told me why. The chief operating officer of the company told me, you know what I like about you in these meetings? You talk about what others might be thinking, but no one wants to actually say it. So I'm bringing that same approach to today's topic. The next short little while that you're listening to The Stronger Podcast in your car, at home, or with your headphones on, let's talk about pornography and your mental health. The Stronger Podcast is all about resilience, stronger mental health, and living a meaningful life. There's no getting around it. Sex and sexuality is a part of life and can have a substantial impact on our overall mental health and vice versa. My approach is going to be biased. I'm letting you know that from the onset. Definitive science and pornography addiction is somewhat subjective. A study published in 2018 titled Understanding Associations Between Personal Definitions of Pornography, Using Pornography and Depression used a sample of 1,639 individuals to explore a link between depression and porn use. Results suggested that individual differences between perception and use were significantly related to depression, but ultimately, interpretation of data like this and other studies are generally inconclusive at this stage. There's quite a bit out there on religiosity, moral conditioning, and cultural influences that can color our view on pornography. I don't know. I'll leave that to mosques, synagogues, and churches to discuss. I'm not going to talk about the morality of the issue. I want to talk about how, in contrast, another 2017 study published by the University of Oklahoma found for those who don't believe porn is morally wrong, still uncovered that high levels of depressive symptoms were still present in those who viewed porn at a high frequency. It concluded that depressed men likely view higher levels of pornography as a coping aid, especially when they do not view it as immoral. And so yes, porn addiction is a controversial concept. It is yet to be medically classified as a mental health disorder. Instead, it is factually classified as a compulsion. But let's not be completely happy with that. A lot of really ugly things are also classified as compulsions. So why am I talking about pornography and mental health in the same conversation? Well, because this is my experience. You can use a lot of things to escape from reality. Some are legal, some are illegal. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, all great ways to escape reality. In my lowest moments in life, I found myself vulnerable to compulsive pornography use. The age of first exposure to pornography has a huge impact on the way you view sex as an adult. For the majority of us, this is not a healthy path. Our introduction to sex is oftentimes unplanned and in some cases traumatic. I know it was for me. So what begins as traumatizing becomes a paradox of a relationship that fractures your view on sex and intimacy. So for me, pornography was never once ever a good thing. It never made me feel better. It never made me feel good about myself. It never made me feel better about my problems, never improved my relationships or assisted me in the things I wanted to achieve in life. 
all it was was the temporary drug I assumed would help me escape my reality. And in return, it compounded my feelings of depression and isolation. This has nothing to do with whether I think it is right, wrong or neither, because let's face it, even if you're in an environment that believes it is immoral, deep down in your heart, you've explained that immorality away and rationalized it anyway. So I'm not gonna treat you like you're an Amish conservative from Pennsylvania. Today, I had the privilege of speaking to leading Australian sexologist and counselor, Renee Yam. She has authored a book titled, Sex Awaken, that will be released later this year and her private practice in Sydney counsels singles, couples through a wide range of issues. It wasn't that easy to find a professional to speak with and to be honest, it wasn't easy to get everyday people to submit questions for this podcast either. It's like, we're all thinking it, but we need someone to actually say it. Well, let's go. Renee and I are going to get the conversation started and hopefully say some things out loud that you've internally thought about. I'm excited and I hope you are too. This podcast has listeners from all over lots of different countries and I'm so grateful for it. Help me get the word out by subscribing, rating, share this on your socials. It helps my channel rank better. Porn and mental health, bring it on. Thanks a lot for joining me on this conversation. I'm so excited. The Stronger Podcast is all about resilience, stronger mental health and living a meaningful life. And when I thought about living a meaningful life, you can't really take sex out of that equation because it's a big part of our daily lives. It's a big part of the way that we're made up and the way we think and our emotions are intrinsically linked to it as well. And um, so I sort of searched far and wide to try to find somebody that I could speak to that would be a professional. So <laughs> thanks so much, Renee, for being on the podcast today. You're a sexologist and a counsellor. I really, really appreciate you having a conversation with me. Yeah, I'm, thanks for having me and inviting me on your podcast. And yeah, it's going to be great to just chat about this topic. Yes. So much to talk about, but it's good to just start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, and, and the thing is, I think a lot of people have questions and they want to ask questions, but there are um, there's just a lot of fear around it. There's uh, shame and there's um, things that you sort of don't feel like you can bring up with people. But so I, I guess I wanted to tackle this whole conversation, starting with this episode. I really want to talk about porn and that connection to mental health as well. I think this. Everything I want to talk about, I want to talk about authentically. And for myself, I found that porn never helped my mental health. In fact, every time that porn was a part of my life, it dragged me lower. It was at low points of my life. It wasn't at great moments. It made me feel depressed. And so I guess starting from there, I wanted to have a conversation with you. And maybe we start from the beginning and we talk about how people are taught about sex. And I remember for myself, um, I was a seven-year-old kid growing up in Melbourne and uh, I'd finished primary school uh, for the day and went over to my friend's house, Rick, and uh, we went into his dad's garage and all of a sudden there were all these posters on the garage wall and I'd never seen pornographic images before. I was seven years old and um, I mean, I don't really have any context. I don't understand it, but something inside of me made me look at it 
and also know it was wrong, but also interesting. And so, yeah, I, that's that was kind of where it started off for me. I mean, from your experience, how do a lot of people learn about sex? Yeah, well, I mean, the research that is coming out a lot more is that young people's prominent form of sex education is pornography. Um, and children's like first exposure to pornography now is almost younger than 11. So, you know, for you, your, your experience is very normal, unfortunately. Um, and it's often sometimes people have, um, you know, someone older than them has shown them something maybe similar to a situation like you, or, you know, you accidentally stumble upon something. Now we've got kids that have got phones all the time and they've got access to screens. Um, And so we might stumble across it and it would create this curiosity in us and an excitement as well as like there's a combination of feelings. All those feelings that you describe is very common for so many of us to experience. But because perhaps we haven't been brought up in a home where sex has been openly talked about, that we kind of as parents perhaps think, oh, one day, one day later on, I'll tell them, then we don't know what to do with all those feelings. And we don't know whether we should go and tell our parents, oh, I saw that image or um, someone showed me this. And, you know, so we kind of keep it all inside. And I guess um, sex can become something that we associate with shame and silence and secrecy and something that we just have to kind of figure out ourselves. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, some people have come from homes where lots of families are very open, but I th- the majority of people that I speak to, it's that it wasn't talked about openly or they yeah. couldn't ask questions. And then that does have an impact in how we understand our sexuality growing up. Yeah, sure. And so <laughs> big question, is porn a credible source of education? <laughs> well, um, I don't believe that yeah. it is. It is a, f- a credible form of ed- sex education because it misses a whole chunk of what um, we need to be teaching people about. Like mm-hmm. we know that porn, obviously, um, you know, people are acting in it. Yeah. Um, some people are there against their will and it is, um, you know, they're doing acts that we actually possibly wouldn't be doing in person. Um, it doesn't talk about consent. Yeah. And consent is a big thing for especially young people, but for all of us to understand. It doesn't show safe sex practices. Yeah. Um, and so that's another big chunk of sex education that it misses out on. And also the whole conversation around communication and communication around personal boundaries, communication around what do I like, what do you like, um, you know, what feels like this whole exploring about what feels enjoyable for you is just not there. Yeah, sure. Now, you would have treated a lot of people. So when people come in, you know, and they admit to uh, having a habit of pornography use, is that something that um, you found has a detrimental effect on their mental health or just overall life? Yeah, I mean... When I, a lot of people that I see and just not even just in my practice, but just people that I talk to around about pornography, I hear a lot that it has become something that has been part of their life for a long time. 
the fact that they don't feel comfortable talking to someone about it, they've kept it within them having to battle it themselves. And so, you know, pornography, I've I've seen it as almost like a Band-Aid effect. It kind of is a way of coping in the moment. So say if you are highly stressed or you're experiencing feelings of loneliness or boredom or depression or anxiety, you don't feel good in those moments, right? And so actually engaging in pornography, you know, um, gives you a feel-good feeling because it's the dopamine, the chemicals that are released in your brain, you know, having an orgasm releases a flood of dopamine into your oxytocin, into your brain, sorry. And it makes you feel good, but it makes you feel good in a moment for a moment. Sure. But then I hear a lot that afterwards it's those feelings of guilt and shame and, you know, not liking yourself. It's still there, if not possibly even more worse. And so it becomes a bit of a cycle for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's the answer to when people say, well, look, you know, I'm not hurting anyone. It's free. It's accessible. It gives me stress relief or, you know, an assumed form of stress relief. And they sort of feel like, oh, you know, what's the big deal? I guess that is the big deal, isn't it? It's a temporary form of temporary happiness or escape from your real life and from reality. I suppose that's probably another thing that I have noticed for myself, but I've also in lots of conversations with men mostly, that pornography is an escape from reality. And in that temporary moment, you're not in reality. I mean, (laughs) to use a phrase loosely, you're out of your mind. You're not engaged in the real world. And uh, porn is not the real world it's not the real world it's true (laughs) and it's also not what real sex and what real relationships are like either Mm. so as much as it impacts your mental health because I guess you you are not focusing I guess on what's actually going on with you and developing self-awareness and learning how to regulate your own emotions and that's a whole nother story because maybe you've never been taught how to do that Um, but it also impacts the way that you view sex and the way that you understand it and what you believe it should be like Um, it makes us think that sex is really about what I want and about meeting my needs and whenever I have an urge for something I just need to go and get it and if you put sex in the context of relationship, it doesn't work like that because you're no. working with two people. Yeah. And so I think that's a whole other side of the way that porn impacts a person. And, and sometimes that's a bit subconscious. We don't realise that we've formed those beliefs. It's not as obvious, I guess, in terms of compared to how we feel with our mental health afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I also hear a lot about it's not hurting anybody but I think you know also particularly if I'm not in my own if I'm single and I'm not in a relationship how is it hurting anyone yeah but I also hear on the other side of your future relationship your future partner and the impact that it can have on the other your future partner because you've been exposed to pornography and we don't sometimes think about that because we no, just think we don't. we're not hurting anyone right now. Yeah, that's right. No, we don't. We don't We don't think about that at all. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, going back to what you just spoke about, you know, being single. So is there a place for masturbation in our life? Is that a healthy form of sexuality? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so many sexologists and sex therapists say that it's a normal part of our 
sexual sexuality or sexual development you know it can be used for self-soothing it can be used to self-explore um you know for example sometimes I you know there's people that have never experienced sex before and they go into a marriage and they don't really even know what pleasure feels like for them and so so self-exploration can be a way of understanding how your body works because if you don't know how your body works how can you teach your partner what works well for you but I think um the thing with masturbation I guess I would encourage people to ask the question around what is the purpose of it for me what is it what's its role for me what is it what need is it meeting for me um is it something that um, is a habit that I that has formed and you know is it a way for me to avoid intimacy with my partner that mm-hmm. I'll just go and do that and not be intimate with my partner it's really about what the meaning is for a person of why yeah. you're doing it and also whether you feel like it's actually helpful um, sure. after masturbating sometimes people say it's actually not helpful. I still feel, you know, guilty or full of shame. Some people don't. And I think that's what's um, key. It's all about what, what it, what it means to you. Yeah. But I also hear, you know, um, constant habits of masturbation can mean that when you are in a relationship, you don't get aroused by someone else stimulating you because you're so you've rewired your brain to become a habit of a way of doing it for yourself Mm. and so that just requires you know relearning and it requires time and relearning with your partner how to do that but it does have an it can have an impact in that way as well in your sexual functioning i mean so many of these things are just things that we don't want to think about. We don't want to think about the future. We don't want to think about the implications of what we're doing today and how it might affect a future relationship or how it might affect a future marriage. Or it, it, We don't want to think about it. We just, we're so programmed to just live in the moment and I think it's a big mistake to take that into our personal sexuality and sex life. And I think on the issue of masturbation, it seems like from a early teens age, it's connected to pornography and then it's one with the other. It's not, you know, they're not separate. They're, they pretty much go together and it's almost like a bond forms there and it's so addictive and it becomes a habit. Why is pornography so addictive? Well, I mean, our biggest sex organ is our brain. It's not our genitals. It's wow. not our penis yeah. um, or our vagina. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's what we, you know, our society has almost been like, you know, I'm dictating my my penis dictates what I want to do, you know. Yeah. But our, our sex organ, the biggest sex organ is our brain. And I guess within there is when we, like I said, when we have an orgasm, oxytocin is released, we're bonding with what we're seeing. And um, endorphins mm. and dopamine are released in our body, um, and that connects to our reward system. So we're getting a reward for looking at pornography, and we our brain is, you know, so much dopamine is released by this, the hyper arousal and the overstimulation of porn, and the fact that it's constantly there hours looking at new content, and so every time new content comes up this new dopamine that's released and it floods your brain and can make it almost, you can almost get desensitized to what you're seeing. So you need more and you need harder and you need different types to keep you aroused. Um, But what comes up a lot also now is 
porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Sorry to bring you back right. to the future again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that um, you can't get an erection with a person because you're so used to getting an erection with um, pornography. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, studies have, have compared porn use to, to drug use, the similar similarities that happens in your brain. So yeah. it's a really important area to look at. Yeah, I, I read a little bit of Hugh Hefner's book a while back and the, the, the title slips my mind, but in it it was quite interesting because with all these women around and, you know, the multiple girlfriends and all of those type of things, when it came to sex, at the end of the day, he wasn't able to perform. He needed pornography and the women were around but they weren't a part of it. And he had to self-gratify himself. So it's crazy that you have somebody who's like an idol of like living the bachelor lifestyle and all of that type of thing. And at the end of the day, I think he probably suffered from exactly what you just spoke about. Yeah. Uh, how would I know if my habit is a problem? Well, um, some, some things to think about is um, are you looking at more graphic things as time goes on? Like... Um, are you spending a lot more time? Is time like looking at things and and searching and and all that? Because that's the pattern of what it can do. It can make you want to keep looking and looking for new images. I think. Um, are you thinking about porn a lot when you're not looking at it? Mm. Like, is it on your mind? Like, I can't wait to go back and watch this. Or do you have plans? And is it? And also, it can be consuming your day. It can can be consuming your thinking. Um, do you, um, this is a tough one to ask the question, but do you find that you miss out on work or school or you're late to things because you're busy looking at pornography or you can't get away from it? Wow. And are you, you know, isolating yourself from relationships? Do you prefer to just stay home and be by yourself than to be engaged in, you know, life in relationships and things that actually have meaning to you? There are some, just some of the questions that you could, you know, consider if that, yeah. but if that is part of you, but sometimes you might not actually feel like you're actually addicted, but it's still part of your life for many years. And I would say perhaps that's a habit, but it's a habit that you haven't tried to kick or a habit that you um, haven't thought to, it needs to be addressed. And sometimes we don't address that because we don't know who to talk to. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a really vulnerable place. It's a really, yeah. really vulnerable to, to talk to somebody. Like I think it's crazy that porn is everywhere. It's accessible, um, but yet we still find it hard to actually be vulnerable and share with someone. I'm really struggling with this and mm. I, I want help. Um, and I just think that is um, if we could just be open in these kinds of conversations, yeah, not be judgmental, be a safe place for someone and actually point people into the right direction or be accountable, be their accountability. We can really help people be free from this and yeah. have healthy sexual relationships. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's one extreme, I suppose. We've got the hermit who watches porn and masturbating all day long <laughs> and doesn't go to anything. And then the other is probably just as scary and that is the person who it's a part of their life in a fairly big way but it's all covered in secrets and it's a blanket and so they have to literally morph from one version of themselves 
into another version of themselves constantly hiding this part of their life and it's almost like and I've shared this uh, with quite a number of people but I think pornography makes you you become a professional liar you Mm. (laughs) you have to to one group you present yourself like you're this way but then you have this whole private dark life that you're hiding around and that in itself has got to be incredibly detrimental just to your mental health while you think you're maintaining and you're going okay I can't imagine that anyone is actually going okay yeah, doing that I know I mean that that's just so heartbreaking to hear people having to go through that but I also think yeah. that's you know that sex in general we kind of hide that whole part of us really yeah um, yeah. yeah pornography is a big part of it but we don't really even talk about sexual desires and fantasies and thoughts with anyone either it's something that we've been taught even growing up just hide yeah sure yeah that's right is pornography just a male problem um no it's not um it's definitely women as well um and I think sometimes when we talk about pornography we kind of just talk about men and and women can feel a bit excluded from that um it's definitely I, I think women can um, possibly be connected a bit more to different types of pornography, um, whether that's, you know, um, chat rooms or romantic style porn or, um, yeah, it just, I, and, and, and they are engaging in pornography for similar but different reasons as well, you know, wanting to, feeling lonely or, um, Sometimes women don't even understand why they got to that place of pornography. Maybe they were just masturbating and it kind of just got to that place of and they're shocked themselves. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely men and women issue and the porn market has marketed to everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was reviewing some things that you'd written and you said that porn makes people focus on performance and self-pleasure and... Obviously, when you're watching porn, you know, these are, I don't know what the circumstances are, actors or whatever the setting is, but no one can compete with that. Uh, It's not reality. And so that in itself can make you feel quite inferior. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, a really destructive message from porn is that men are meant to be big and they're meant to last long. And, you know, so there's this um, message in that um, that's not real no. <laughs> um, and that women have to look a certain way. Um, well, I, I think performance anxiety is very real in the bedroom and we can get really focused on what am I doing right now? Am I staying hard? Am I going to um, lose my erection? You know, am, what am I, is what I'm doing um, pleasing him? And we're so in our head this is a challenge. We're so in our head that we're actually not present with the person that we're with. We're not vulnerable with them. We're not connecting with them. We're not being intimate with them because we're worrying about is what I'm doing right? Is, is this good enough for them? Are they enjoying this? And we also aren't, as a result of that, we're also not connecting to our own pleasure. We're not Mm. connecting to what actually feels good for me in the moment and what do I need or what do I want um, and how can we work this together so it can be satisfying for both of us? Um, and I see so many people around this whole thing around performance 
and the pressure to perform and to, you know, and this, then there's this inadequacy of what's wrong with me and why don't I have desire? Why don't I feel like sex? Because porn has shown us all that everyone is sexually ready all the time. No one <laughs> yeah, says sure. no. Yeah. No one says I don't feel like it. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go and let's last forever. You know, yeah. like that's not real life. That's no. not real sex. No. And okay, so we're going to pick this conversation again next week. But before we go, I'm sure there are listeners that are hearing this podcast right now and they do have a problem. And whilst they may not know whether they're an addict or it's a difficult place to define, do you have some thoughts around what someone can do to get out of the cycle of pornography use? Yeah, totally. I would say be brave and speak up to someone that you can trust and tell them. Um, make sure you're talking to someone that you know is not is your safe place, is not going to judge you and um, let bring it to the light don't keep it in the darkness, bring it to the light. Um, I would encourage people to get software protection on their phones or all their devices. Find a way to block, if that's what you want to do, find a way to block pornography. Um, I know there are there are areas that is hard to, specifically social media, but I would say block, block as much as you can. Yeah. Um, I would encourage people to get counselling if they need it and to talk through some of the things that um, maybe how to develop some healthy, positive coping strategies so that you don't need to go and look at porn when you're feeling low or you're not feeling good about yourself or you're feeling quite stressed. And I would encourage them to find people that can be accountable to. I don't think this journey is an instant miraculous, like I'm healed and I'm set free. I think it's um, for the people that I speak to, it's a, it's a journey, it's a process. Sometimes you can relapse. Um, don't beat yourself up. Just pick yourself back up and keep moving forward. Um, and so I, you need accountability. You cannot do it on your own. No, that's You need right. to be able to speak to people and you need people to ask you the hard questions, but they're doing it out of love and they're doing it because they want you to be free as well. Yeah. And then I think there's just so much education out there, like Fight the New Drug, um, that website, yeah. Your Brain on Porn. Um, I also talk to people about the Fortify program, which is an online accountability that you can sign up to and they keep you accountable. And so I think educate yourself um, so that you can make some really informed decisions around um, this area of your life. That's so good. Thank you so much. That's really, really great information. In fact, I think on, the, on what you just touched on, on our accountability and even that software protection, um, accountability, I guess, loosely has always been a part of my life, but it got real, like real, real, when there are three guys who I have made my accountability partners and all the software which is on every computer and phone um, in our household, it's been something that has just held me there. Like it's uh, that you know that there are some trusted people that love you, not people that are going to judge you, but people that love you, that you can be like, you know what, I'd like you to have full access to this so that I can live openly and with transparency. And that in itself is such a freeing thing. It's such a great way to live. Yeah, totally. And because we're, we can't um, think that we're never going to be tempted. Yeah. Like, 
we're always going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted when we're married. We're going to be tempted when we're single. Like, you know, the desire is there. And so just accept that and go, okay, how am I going to make some positive choices so that I can live the life that I really want? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Renee. It's been a fantastic chat. We're going to pick this up again next week. Thanks so much for having me. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. A couple of references that I hope you check out just to help with your journey from pornography. Check out Renee's website, sextheholestory.com.au. Follow her on social media. She's got lots of great content. Fightthenewdrug.com. I wrote an article on porn on my website, jeremiahjacob.com. Just remember, you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Find a friend you can talk to and live free and live your stronger life. Thanks again and subscribe to not miss an episode of The Stronger Podcast. Remember, you're stronger than you think.